Welcome to Drinking Out Loud. My name is Rachel and I will be your host and drinking buddy as we explore the world of craft beers and much more. In this episode, I sat down with Winston Kwong, the man who started Beer Style Distribution just over a decade ago. We talk about his journey building a craft beer business here in Singapore, the initial challenges, some personal struggles, and what he thinks about the future of the craft drinking scene here in sunny Singapore. Enjoy! Welcome to the show. Uh, so today we are at the Armory Craft Beer Bar at 36 Beach Road, uh, where we can find uh, this man, uh, Mr. Mr. Winston Kwang, aka the man. You know. Thank you. You know, you started this business about ten years ago. Yes. Right. So, what's going through your mind at that point in time? At that point in time, um, I was out of job, and I was literally thinking, what is there to do? So. One fine day, I came across Beer Advocate website and I saw all these beers inside and I was wondering to myself, I don't see any of this stuff uh, in Singapore, so uh, why not take a look? So I actually went to a Great American Beer Festival uh, that was yeah, 10 over, uh, 11 years ago to be exact to do my research and the Brewers Association was kind enough to uh, give me free entry and entertain me or things like that uh, throughout the journey. But it was tough because I didn't have any experience. Mm. Uh, no one knows me and during those days, uh, the American craft beer industry was like, they don't want to brew enough for themselves. So it's not like they want, they desperately want to export. So what was, the, what, was the ten, what was the scene like 10 years ago? Like when you first started? Um, because you went to the States, right? Yes. So you, you know. In, in the States, that time IPA was already in bulk. I would say, I wouldn't use the word bulk, but it was something that is, uh, coming up, up and coming. Uh, what was famous in those days was the American Pale Ale. Then IPA was like getting more and more traction. And that was one of my favorite uh, beers as well, beer style. So I brought that in as well. American Pale Ale, IPA, this was the style that I personally like. Uh, not so much on the American wheat, but American Pale Ale and American IPA. But it's, it's pretty big risk, isn't it? I mean, you, it's a new venture, it's a new business, you are like the first, now you are, I would say, successful, right? So, but okay. you wouldn't know okay. at the point of time. So it's a leap of faith, la, right? Uh, no one started a business with a leap of faith saying that, hey, I won't make it. Everyone started a business saying that, hey, it, it, it will work, you know? Unfortunately, it, I took a few hard knocks the uh, first few years because of uh, the type of beers I brought in, specifically. Mm. Mm. <laughs> it was too harsh for many a palate. In fact, people have not heard of IPA here mm. in Singapore in those days. Mm. And even people from UK can't take I the IPA that I bring in. <laughs> so it's pretty gutsy la, for you to bring it into Singapore. Uh, but I personally like it. So I okay. thought everyone's taste buds should be you know, along okay. the same wavelength. Okay. But obviously, not so. Uh -huh. So it took a long time to get people to get attuned to the flavor. Okay. Because I, I think I explained many times before that uh, our palate is a thing that grows and matures over time. Mm. So when you drink something more flavorful or eat something more flavorful, mm. uh, you definitely like more flavor. Mm. You can't be a human 
don't like flavor. They rather like something like mm. as plain as possible. Mm. So I just felt that it was a matter of time before people got into the act of you know mm. liking big bowl mm. IPAs, mm. for example. So I think I remember having this conversation with you a while back. You're saying like, wow, oh, you know, when you started the business, you were like. <laughs> Throwing the beers away and all yeah, that, we did. isn't we did. that? My first I mean, container, like, we actually threw one whole, uh, about I think one or two pallets away, and most of it was IPA. Uh, they were using the uh, machine to crush all my beers in the incinerator plant, and there was a the custom officer, of course, to overlook, making sure that the beers were destroyed, because uh, you don't need to pay taxes for beers that are destroyed. So you just, but you had to destroy it, of course, because they already expi- uh, close to expired or expired already. So those were tears that definitely came to my eyes when I saw them doing it. And uh, literally it, money now the drain. Uh. It, it wasn't the money. Okay. It, it wasn't just the money. Okay, money, yes, heart pain. But the thing that brought tears was this is so good. Why is no one drinking it? I don't understand. Mm. I was Heartbroken in a way, you know. I, I just want to understand it. It's, it's, it's a darn good beer, but mm. no one like it. You know, it's, it's like a chef. You you make a good, uh, you make a good uh, chicken or something, or a good turkey, mm. and then no one likes it. Mm. And you can't explain it. Mm. Mm. So it, it's it's like that. So speaking mm. of all those beers going to waste, uh, So you brought in because you you like, and you think that oh, you know, all these are good beers. Why is nobody drinking it? Yes. So what was your sales pitch at the point of time? Sales pitch was small batch, yes, craft beer, flavor, more flavorful than your typical lagers and you know or whatever ales you have here. Um, but the structure of the Singapore market also made it difficult. Mm. Barriers to entry, I think you well know what was the barriers to entry as well. Contracts that were in place at that time for many years. In mm. fact, today we still have contract, but it's not so. Um, Okay, it's more open now. It's not mm. that restrictive, and people mm. dare not uh, enforce contracts so strongly. So, so those were the times that uh, when you knock on people's door, people just kind of ignore you. Is the, the sales were terrible. I bought in a container. I remember my first container. I think it lasted. I took several months just to sell it. Mm. Yes, it, it was that difficult. Not. It's a different batch, lah. Not the one that you. No, that same batch. My first container oh, took I me see. like you know several months right. just to move one container. So I guess that's the most key challenge la, to tell people that these are good quality beers, you know, it's a different mm-hmm. profile, you know, you will totally change your perception when it comes to drinking beer. Yes. Right? It was very difficult. Okay. And I guess people are more, but people know now mm. because they're more well-traveled, mm. educated, mm. you know, maybe that's the difference. So. After how many years, then, kind of like there's like, is that there's a turning point when it comes to your business? I mean, all these years you being in the business. I think at the beginning I relied a lot on uh, the expat community mm. in Singapore, especially the American expat community, mm. to sell beers personally to them. I think the turning point was maybe like four or five years down the road, around there. It started to change, mm. the tide changed, and people started to look at US and say that, hey, you know, this is good stuff. Because the initial impression was, oh, uh, American beers? Well, I'm not really keen on Miller, you know, and, and, and you know, but they, they associate 
so th those beers were bad. So it came. There was a bad association with that. So uh, now people know. Oh, okay. Americans make good stuff. Mm. You know, mm. and, and the culture is spreading. Like uh, the the revolution is spreading to Europe mm. and Asia. Right. You know. So yep, that's the difference. So so how much do you think that that has changed since then and like the scene the scene now? Uh, what the scene is actually uh, we are still looking. I, I would say we still have a lot, a long road to go. Mm. I would say the craft beer market segment in Singapore is probably only like 2% on mm. average or max 3 I don't mm. think it's anything more than 3%. Mm. Um, you, we have another 97% of the market mm. to, uh, you know, so-called conquer or the convert. The, the potential market. Yeah, la. yeah. Okay. So uh, it's important for craft beer distributors to like sort of, you know, go out and attack this 97%. That's very important. Yeah, and we've still got a long way to go. Speaking of market, okay, we have some of your staff over here. Mm -hmm. So maybe, okay, you have um, Anderson, Stone, Rope. Yes. Uh, Victory? We don't have a Victory here today, but nope. um, there's a Gordon Nope, nope not, not Gordon Birch. We have like Stone, uh, Anderson Valley, right. uh, Founders, their shoots. You you want to briefly kind of like highlight the brands? What like, is there like a key feature of um, uh, of a certain brewery? Uh, the key beers would play, okay. Let's say for their shoes, their shoes from Bend, Oregon, uh -huh. so Northwest US. So we have the main beers from them is Fresh Squeeze IPA. This was their beer that literally changed the uh, sort of IPA market in the West Coast US and Mirror Pond. Uh, one of the main uh, best sellers for me as well, the American Pale Ale, purely using Cascade hops. Mm. Uh, so this their shoots, and we have Stone, mm. uh, Stone IPA. Uh, it's the de facto uh, <laughs> style West Coast IPA. Stone Go To, uh, so-called Session IPA, mm. low alcohol, mm. which is in vogue these days apparently. Mm. Um, and we have the stone, uh, I wouldn't say this stone, it's actually arrogant brewing. Uh, Wusi, who are you calling Wusi Pilsner? Okay, it's very interesting, um, maybe we'll do that uh, in another story because <laughs> they, they see it as a different, kind of like a sister company of, yes, of the main yes, brewery. Yes, okay, right. So what else? So, uh, so these are our two uh, main, uh, these are like our twin engine of growth actually, mm. for both stone and their shoes. Uh, we sell a lot of these okay. uh, to the market. And those, let's see, and we have Rogue. Mm. Rogue, the key players for Rogue that we sell here are Dead Guy Ale and Hazelnut Brown mm. Nectar, which is actually very popular among the girls. Mm. And uh, yep, this is for Rogue. And uh, we have Anderson Valley. Anderson Valley is, uh, yeah, typically we have the Polico Pale Ale um, and Ita IPA here. Mm. Uh, but Anderson Valley has been strong recently in the Gose style of mm. beers, yep. which we are also pushing very hard. Mm. Uh, I, I know sour beers are not very fashionable here in Singapore and most people are not really into it. Okay. But I, I feel that this will gain traction in the future. Mm. Yep. And uh, yes, we have Founders. Founders KBS is a very famous beer. I mm. think a lot of people would know about it. A lot of beer geeks will know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. Apparently, yes, in US, uh, the, the, there's a quota. Only two persons is allowed to buy 
not two person. Oh, one, really? One person only buy, allowed to buy two bottles. Seriously? In, yes. If you go to an American retail shop, bottle shop, uh, unless you know the guy very well, she will only sell you two Wait, bottles. Wait, so we got it lucky here. I can buy a six-pack <laughs> here from the shelves. Right? Yeah, <laughs> apparently someone, uh, yes, someone told me in Germany, someone uh. even bought a case because uh, they didn't know they were supposed to limit it. So it is, it's like we have it good in Asia and elsewhere is because uh, we didn't, uh, a lot of distributors and retailers don't set a limit to yeah, it. I go and buy one case, I sell, <laughs> sell one <online>. But <laughs> sad thing is in the US, there's such a limit. Okay. Strangely. Mm. Okay. Uh, all the IPA, sort of, I would say the flagship beer of right. Founders. Right. Founders in Michigan, of course. Right. Then uh, we have Heretic. Heretic is uh, from a home brewer. Mm -hmm. Became a, mm. a commercial brewery. Mm. Uh, their flagship beer, Evil Twin, uh, Red IPA. And recently they just had this, uh, the lager as well. Mm. Uh, but uh, basically, uh, they do a lot of interesting stuff. Are these, is, is Heretic recent kind of acquisition under your beer portfolio? It's been a few years already. Right. Yes, been right. A few I mean, years. they've been quite popular. Their beers are pretty bold yes. and. We, we sell a pretty decent amount of uh, Evil Twin and Chocolate Hazelnut Porter. Yeah, these are, oh, yeah, two, yeah. these are the two beers that tend... Uh, chocolate Hazelnut Porter, I think it's a no-brainer. It's mm. more the name, so a lot of people actually go for it. And girls, oh, and Chocolate Hazelnut, yes. yes I think I, <laughs> I do see a lot of people drinking that. <laughs> yeah. Yes, so and we have Hardywood here, of course. The last okay. one is Hardywood. You had your first contact of craft beer in Singapore or when you were traveling or, you know? When I went to US. When you went to the for US, that right? trip For that the uh, Great American Beer Festival. Trip. Okay, but before that, you've really decided, like, let me explore this opportunity, right? But yes. I mean, like, how, mm. wh who or what got you to that? It you was know? the website, as I said. Oh, okay. Advocate. But within, without even tasting the beer at there, all. There was no American craft beer here. So you're like, eh? Something nothing like, had to taste, but mm. we see in those days uh, the trend was Belgian beers. Okay. So we, we see a lot of Belgian beers. Right. Uh, at that time, I remember the whole garden was big, you right. know, right. very big. Mm. And then uh, I, I I think Duvel, I mean, I wouldn't say Duvel, but a lot of the Belgian stuff were right. in vogue. Right. So, but I felt that, hey, you know, isn't there anything else, right. you know, besides all this stuff? I mean, yeah, Germany, uh, Germans only, most of the time, they only do the Hefeweizen, Kristallweizen, mm. things like that, mm. wheat beers mm. in general. But I noticed the Americans, they do a lot. Mm. They do a lot of different mm. things. It's mm. like a melting pot okay. of many, many stuff. So I was more interested in exploring uh, what US had to offer. So you went to the Great Beer uh, JBF, Great yep. American Beer Festival. Yep. Uh, I've noticed most of the beer that you brought in, it's mostly West Coast style beer? Yes, mostly in West general. Coast. Is there mostly. a reason why? Is it because you like the style of beer? You know, you want to uh, share a bit of, you know, your decision? We, yeah, I actually liked it because it's more bold. Mm. West Coast beers are actually more bold and more flavorful. Uh, this is not to say that East Coast is bad. Correct. East Coast is more balanced. That okay. means there's a balance between the hops and the malts. Okay. While West Coast beers is uh, more on the hop, the concentration more on the hops. Okay. But uh, then again, now, of course, it's like, it's very mixed. West right. Coast breweries also do New England style IPAs, for Correct. example. Correct. So it's not like uh, like Heretic just came out with the uh, what Make America uh, make the juicy again. Correct. So, so yep. Since since you were on the topic of of East versus West, right? So I read an article recently talking about East Coast beer being mm -hmm. um, being the the, the red-headed stepchild of um, British IPA. 
<laughs> so because of proximity, ge geographical influence, yeah. they are closer to, um, you know, to, to, to the East Coast, coast mm -hmm. side. Lah. And then whereas, um, so the, the beers, they make more European style, mm -hmm. so to speak. Whereas for West Coast, it's more, they're closer to the hot farms, geographical influence yeah. as, as, the, as mm -hmm. well. So they are more hot farms. Okay. You know, mm -hmm. they're more hot front and more bitterness to some, you know, mm -hmm. compared to the East Coast. Mm -hmm. There seems to be a shift between the two, you know. So are you motivated by what's trendy? Um, we, okay, we are interested and keen to look at the, the trend mm. coming up, but we don't want to be motivated by what's trendy coming, because right. trends come and go. Correct. So we try not to be uh, too overwhelmed by what's, what's in, so-called in thing. Uh, I, I taste comes and go, and I, I feel that everyone comes waiting for the next big thing. Mm. So what's after IPA? Mm. Sometimes I think, oh, should I go for like, is sour gonna be the next in thing? So we, we, we don't know, but we like to invest a little bit in it. So we, thought we bring in a little bit here and there to try it out, uh, just to see how where it's headed for. Mm. Uh, but uh, we're, we're not like, you know, totally invested in it. So okay. we just do a little bit here and there. So yeah. we're gonna see some new beers in your portfolio <laughs> we, in the near future? We try to do that, of course, but we also try to know where our business lies in. Is this, for a from a distributing point of view, I have to be realistic. We need volume. Mm. Now, beer is always has always been a volume game. Right. It's not something that you bring in one two pallets every month and then hey, hey you know I have this special release beer. I got that special release beer. Mm. I'm sure that beer gigs will be you know aesthetic over it. Wow, mm. you know, mm. but it's not gonna make me money. Correct. I have to make a living too. Like so, bread, so bread and butter. Like for example, we, we have like very big bowl beers, special releases, 13% mm. beers, uh, uh, you know, but like for example, I mean, look the, the, like the KBS, mm. you know, for example, but this is not going to be the beer that makes us money. The beer that's going to make, make us money, for example, oh, this beer, uh, this beer, for example, the one, the bread and butter beers. That means beers that are uh, reasonably priced and people can drink a lot of. Not, you're going to drink this and you're not going to knock out already after that. <laughs> so, do you see yourself as game changer in this industry? I mean, you've been in the um, business, you're 10 years, 11 years yeah. in the business, right? I mean... Uh, I wouldn't say game changer because if I didn't drink IPAs in, let's say for example. Right. People always say that, hey, you know, uh, Winston's the one that brought in a lot of... Uh, mm. IPAs and things mm. like that. He started the trend, uh, but I wouldn't say that because, how to put it, someone would have done it, mm. one way or another. So I just brought it in early. Sometimes I tell people, some other distributors that are fairly new, you guys got it lucky, you know. You guys got it good because everything is already, you know, there for you. The people's palate is already ready for an IPA. But when I started, people wouldn't even want to try an IPA. So that was the That's a huge part. hurdle, isn't it? At the point of time, a huge challenge for you to to make sure that people at least get to taste your beers and to actually try it out. Yeah, but there were countless times when I like people drink and they wow, they give the expression in front of me. I've seen it so many times. Now that, I don't. Yeah, but how does that feel I mean, at that point of time? Like what was going through your mind at that point of time? Uh, a like, bit worried. Mm -hmm. I was getting worrying when I see it too often. Because I think, oh, did I bring in the wrong product? No shit, you know, <laughs> or whatever. 
but I, it was difficult because in those days, a lot of people, actually friends, my own family, told me to just give up. I mean, I have a degree in economics, so... Oh, really? You yes, do? Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what happened Damn. was, uh, I, I used to work in a bank, so people tell me, hey, um, in fact, my own mom told me, uh, what do, I mean, you studied for so many years, why don't you just go back and do something that is, uh, this is like an iron rice bowl, you know, you, you get a salary every month. So I tell my mom, it's not an iron rice bowl too, banks are also not safe, in a recession, if they do, if you, you can contribute like 10 years or 20 years of your life to a bank, mm. but if they need to retrench you, they'll retrench you. Mm. Uh, rather be the ruler of your own destiny, right. you know what I mean? So uh, if it turned out bad, that means it's my fault. Mm. No one else, mm. you know? So uh, I, I persevered on and um, I refused to believe that craft beer, American craft beer in particular, would not succeed in Singapore. Yeah, okay. I, I, wish, I just refused. It was like just, uh, I would say stubborn. <laughs> Let's put it this way. You know, put it another way, I was stubborn. I, I refused to just believe that it wasn't good. It okay. was that people are not ready for it. Okay. I want to make sure I shove it down uh, to cut my beers in everyone's throat and make sure that they finally believe in it, mm. you know. So that's why we participated in Beer Fest Asia every year. I give away beer, so I don't mind. Mm. I don't, I, I don't like to give away money, for mm. example, like mm. advertising. Mm. Because advertising goes to waste. Mm. I mean, you can, either you flip the newspaper or magazine, you don't have that continuity or the marketing funds right. to advertise every week mm. or every month mm. to get that thing into people's mind. Mm. Not like Tiger Beer, for right. example. Every day, every day they advertise also never mind. Right. So we had to make people remember by drinking it. Mm. So when the beer fest all come or certain event, mm. I remember even standing like whole day in front of Isetan supermarket in those mm. days, um, like during American, uh, so-called American Week, mm. uh, they celebrate the July 4th mm. event. So we would sell, we would sell beers there or give samples away. Let people try at the very mm. least. When people try, they remember. Mm. That's the main thing. Yes. There's this other thing that we spoke about. I think you mentioned, I think you're, you're not drunk. La. I think we under, we're quite sober at that point of time. That uh, you want people to drink craft beer like it's the norm. I think mm -hmm. we had this conversation before. I don't know whether you can remember. <laughs> so your strategy, uh, it's like, you know, um, like you said, you want to sell beer to let people try good beer because you tasted right. it and yeah. you want to promote this to the masses. Yes. So. Do you think you have achieved that to a certain extent yet? Not yet. Uh, I would say we are on. We're more like on the brink of penetrating mass market, but not full penetration because, like what I said earlier, of contracts mm. and of course the presence of a lot of big players, mm. the barriers to entry. Mm. But increasingly, retailers themselves are getting knowledgeable. Mm. They know that craft beer is the in thing now. They themselves like it and they push for it. Uh, we recently had an outlet, uh, Morgan's Field, that I've been taking on beer for many years. And finally, they opened an outlet just specializing in craft beers. I was a bit surprised. I was actually pleasantly surprised. Recently? Okay. Uh, it didn't have at Orchard Central. Right. So it didn't need to be just my beers. Right. So they, he took, like I, I think, like several taps and I just had like three taps there or something like that. But I was happy. It's not that I need to have all your taps. I'm happy that you choose everything craft. 
uh, it doesn't matter. Maybe you can have one commercial beer or two, but as long as there's craft there, we're happy people take that step because for a business owner, sometimes, as you know, the cost of doing business in Singapore, especially F&B, is difficult mm. for a restaurant or bar. So a lot of people take the shortcut. Oh, you know, if I sign up with this company, that company, big company, commercial beer, they, they promised me that I could do this, they'll mm. renovate this for me, they'll do this, this, and I got a ton of rebate coming back. I mean, everyone knows that. So for someone who says, I don't need this rebate, I don't need your renovation, whatever mm. money, so I'll just go ahead on my own. Mm. So uh, I'm very, I'm very touched when I see this. Mm. It shows that retailers themselves are also learning that, hey, they could actually make money uh, by you know, selling craft beers. Mm. I mean, look at TAP, for example. TAP was in Capital, mm. and now they opened a second outlet uh, mm. in Robertson Key. Mm. Obviously means they're doing well, or else we didn't want to open a second outlet. Right. So I'm, I'm happy for them. That mm. means craft beer can make it. Mm. it it's, it's a model that's feasible. It's not a model that if you are a restaurant or bar, you take up craft beer, mm. you're going to lose money. Right. Because in Singapore, our advantage is we have the alcohol tax mm. versus, say, Hong Kong, which has no tax. Mm. Now, the problem is, okay, our advantage is when we have the tax, it makes, say, Tiger beer or Carlsberg beer look only slightly cheaper. Right. But when you go Hong Kong, commercial beer and craft beer are almost twice the difference. You go to a supermarket, you can buy craft beer at double the price of mass market beer. But in Singapore, it's like, you know, you don't, it's marginally more. If I come to a bar like that, uh, it's maybe the difference between commercial beers and uh, craft beers is maybe mm. just $2. Mm. What is $2 to an end consumer these days? It's like, well, you come and buy anything with $1, $2 these days. So why not, yep. I, I, why not upgrade something better, right. you know? So speaking of that, I've got this question for you that uh, I mean, I find it quite conflicting in terms of breweries, um, macro versus micro, right? Mm -hmm. So you know, recent years there's this trend or there's this um, strategy coming from the big boys. They are buying up all yeah. the small micro mm. breweries, mm -hmm. as in like put it under their portfolio. Yeah. So, um, with your thoughts? It just shows that they're getting afraid. They, they, they know that craft beer sales revenue are going up. And mass market commercial beer revenue is actually going down. It's actually shrinking. It's the same in the US. So craft beer is gaining a bigger market share. And they just want a slice of that. Mm. So that's why they're buying over right. uh, craft brewery. Right. So, yeah. So, um there's a certain sort of um, criteria where you call yourself, in the States at least, uh, that you call yourself a craft, you know. Like for example, mm. if you look at stone, they're quite big. Yeah. So they are still considered craft, you know. They are very popular. I mean, they're right. kind of like the big brother of the craftier scene. Right. You know. So where do you see them? Like, do you think they will just continue? We've met, um, what? Um, the, 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 the founder in Singapore, you brought him to Singapore years ago. Uh, you mean for Stone? Yeah. Uh, uh, Greg Cook. Yeah. So yeah. he was here, we, yeah. we had, you know, we were drinking yeah. with him yeah. and all that. So uh, I know he's, he's a guy who is quite fixated on his vision and yes. all that. And he said like, we're going to stick to our guns and just do this thing. Yes. So do you think that, like Stone, do you think it's still considered? I mean, 
they are craft, but they are still they are very big, and much bigger than a lot of the microbreweries. So, so saying, are they still considered craft, although they are so? No, big I mean, now. I drink their beers. I I do feel that their beers are, are craft beers. Mm -hmm. You know, for sure. I mean, that's how. Yes. I mean, they are one of the pioneers in, yes. in the scene. Mm -hmm. You know, like um, so. Where do you draw the line? Like, uh, do, do you do you go to a stage where you become too big? Then like, you still call yourself craft because you are like. How many billions of dollars that you're making? I think how I view craft is not how big they are, it's how independent they are. Okay. Uh, like they're not owned by, you know, a conglomerate. So we have conglomerates like AB Invest and so on that, you know, buy over a lot of these breweries. So um, I understand that. But when you, when you look at that point is that you feel worried. Now, when such a conglomerate buys over a small brewery like this, uh, what is their focus? Is it bringing quality craft beer to the end consumer? So what you're worried is because the answer to their shareholders right. is profit-based company. Right. While a company like Stone, yes, like for me even, yes, it's money, but there is a passion as well. Correct. Passion to make good products for the end consumer. Like for me, if, if beer is bad, I, I can't get over it. It's like, give it back to me. I'll, I'll give you a new one. It's, 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 it's impossible. We do cold chain all the way. We have that mindset that it has to be that way. Mm. Delivering quality products to the end consumer. But a conglomerate, would they think the same way? That's what I'm, I'm not saying they weren't, but in my, inside my heart, I'll be like, hmm, uh, I'll be a bit skeptical of it. Because mm. oh, it's all about bottom line, isn't mm. it? So you need to answer to your shareholders as well. So you need to return a, a decent profit every year. Right. So that's my main concern. Right. So I have a personal question. <laughs> so I, you know, over the years, I, w I would say I have had most of the beers that you brought in. Lah, okay. You know? Thank you. Uh, <laughs> so there's this other brewery that you used to bring in, Ninkasi. Mm -hmm. I love their beers. Mm -hmm. So is there a reason why you're not bringing it in into Singapore? Uh, we Maybe a lot of fellas out there also would like to know. We, we had issues actually moving Ninkasi. Perhaps it was just the beer geek ordering it, uh, but we didn't move it that well. And we were more concerned that we didn't want to be a, a distributor and not doing our part. So we'd rather just end the relationship earlier than later giving empty promises. So we wanted to say, okay, let's, let's do the best we can for the brand we carry. Mm -hmm. Instead of saying that, hey, uh, we'll try. So we, we didn't want to have, like, we're going to concentrate on a few core brands and achieve, like, certain market volume for that. That was more important. So if, if there's a lot more people asking for it, will you bring it back? Oh, <laughs> we, we, we were asked, but the thing is, at the beginning, it was tough. It was, mm. it was tough for us. Uh, we can look into it again. But like, I think you know that in the US, there's like 4,000 over breweries right, right now. Right. And I, I think it's just a lot, a lot to I mean, but people should know that there's a lot of other beers correct. out there. I mean, Nikasi's been, I mean, the kind of like- It's a good brewery, of it's course. It's a good brewery, yes. you know, they've yes. got really nice beers. Mm -hmm. So I'm just saying like, if you're one Nikasi, you'll have to go <laughs> to every craft beer bar and ask for Nikasi. <laughs> give, Put pressure on this guy so that you know we'll have Ninkasi back in, sure, for in sure. Singapore. If that's the case. So okay. So um, final question. You know, there's a lot more players now in the industry. Yes. Right. So 
you don't have to review everything, but you know, what are your f future plans from here on? Uh, okay, I notice. Okay, when a lot of new players come in, you're referring to new players in the craft beer segment, right? Mm, well, of course, the ones that will have an effect or influence on your business. Okay. Right. So basically, it's the craft beer segment. Right, right, right. So we, we do ever view new players as competitors. Okay. We view it as a positive thing. It means the market obviously growing, that's why you're coming in. Uh, but usually, we are more worried that um, they, they choose to do things differently from the rest of the gang. I'm not saying that they rocked the boat or something like that. Yeah, be uh, careful what you say. Uh. <laughs> I know. You know but a lot of people in the industry. Uh. <laughs> but essentially, uh, we are happy they come in and so that we can move on to other things. Okay, basically, a lot of new players come in, they concentrate the same joints. It's always the same joints mm. uh, that will buy their beers. So it's very beer gig joints that will always launch this new brands, new distributor brands first. Uh, like Heart of Darkness, for example. Or or the new brand, or even the latest one, uh, the Hong Kong brewery. Young Masters. Yep, Young Masters, same thing. So, all launch at beer gig-centric joints. Nothing wrong with that. Correct. Uh, we have to move on from that. Mm. That means I need to move away from beer gig-centric. Not that I don't like beer gig or beer gig joints, but we need to grow the market. If too many players are surrounding, that means a lot of distributors are concentrating and attacking purely craft beer centric joints. Mm. That means that 3% I'm talking about just now, mm. it's, it will be saturated. Correct. And every, every distributor, or not even just distributor, every joint, mm. FMB joint mm. that is craft beer centric mm. will have a lesser share of the revenue. Mm. So, what we need to do, I mean, for the, for the ones who are earlier on in the game, like me or other distributors, we need to move on. Mm. So we need to penetrate mass market accounts to convert more people there. So we bring these people into the fold mm. and grow the market. So when you grow the market, no matter how many new players you're talking about, everyone has a slice of the pie. Mm. But if I stay stagnant and I say that, hey, I'll, I'll still con to continue selling, purely just to these guys, mm. then I'm doing an injustice to the craft beer segment and I'm also doing an injustice to people who have never tried craft beer before. Which is very true to what you said. Mm -hmm. You want to, um, to make craft beer to, you know, to the, uh, make it in the, yep. to the point where it's, like, it's kind of like the norm to, yeah. to go into any bar and say like, I have a pint of yeah. the shoots, fresh grease. Yeah. You know, which is the case in the States, yes. isn't it? And right? It doesn't have to be like, oh, if you're well-to-do, then you can afford craft beer. Uh, I always tell, I've got some consumers that, and consumers that say, hey, you know, uh, it's like, your special release, you know, it's like, wow, it's uh, $30, it's, 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 it's more expensive than, uh, it's the same price as wine. Mm. So I always tell them like, you see, when you pay $30 for beer, mm. I guarantee you, I mean, not saying, I don't know about the rest, but mm. for me, you're getting the top tier stuff from top class breweries. I can't say the same for wine. When you pay $35 for a bottle of wine, you're not getting top tier wines. You're, you're getting the average wine or even table wine or mm. whatever. So uh, that, that's, that's the difference. Yeah. So, you know, there's this 
phrase where I heard a lot of people saying that, oh, craft beer, uh, such a hipster thing and all that. So what, what do you think when people say things like that? Hipster thing? Wow. I thought that was in Taiwan, <laughs> that they do that. Singapore hipster. I, I guess it, mm. uh, it, it kind of like associated with like what's trendy, you know, and like I think in general, you know, they don't think that it's going to be here. It's going to be like it will come and then it will go. So what do you think when, when someone makes well, a statement like that? If, well, we all know Carpia is here to stay. Uh, I say that not because I'm selling Carpia, but because coming from the notion that beer is food. And like what I said earlier, the flavor profile of craft beer is way higher than any mass market beers. And it's, how to put it, a lot of end consumers I know, they can't go back to commercial beers. A lot can't. In fact, some have even become beer snobs. I'm not encouraging <laughs> that. I'm not saying it's good. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm a bit... they can afford it. I'm, I'm a bit snobbish in a way or so. When someone offer me some, you know, commercial lager, I'll be like, is, is there something else <laughs> that I can have, you know? So I became a little snobbish. But what I'm trying to say is, um, we're just eating something better. Mm. And there's nothing wrong with that. Right. Uh, I, 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 I mean, like you go to a hawker store, whoever sells the best nasi lemak, I'll, I'll go to that store, you know what I mean? So you can't blame me for not frequenting the other store, you know? So I think it's here to stay for sure. In fact, I strongly believe in it. And once you convert more people, and these people be saying that, hey, you know, I want copiers. I mean, why do you think the big boys are buying over the craft breweries? Because they see a future in craft beers and they want to have a share, a stick in that future. Yep. Sounds good. Ladies and gentlemen, there you go. Yep. Mr. Winston Kwan, aka the man, you know. Thank you. You know, I mean, talking about his, his um, experiences and um, uh, his, th his thoughts on craft beer here in Singapore. So, um, I hope that your business will continue to grow because if you grow, I, I assume you're gonna bring in a lot more other <laughs> craft beers and uh, maybe in Inkasi, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you know. So I hope that you continue to do well. So thank you for joining us today. Thank you for inviting so, me. Yeah, I mean, like if you if you want to check out Winston's beer, uh, American, American Craft, craft beer, club. beer Club on Facebook. Right? Yes. Correct? So, whatever news or whatever is more current, it's yes. all on Facebook. Yes. Okay, yes. please update your, <laughs> your website. <laughs> yeah? okay. we're, you we're, a bit, we're a bit lazy on that. Uh, please update. <laughs> yeah? Okay. So, uh, as uh, Beer Style, uh, uh, the, the, the website says, life short, drink better beer. Yes. Right? And cheers to that. All right. Cheers. cheers. All right. Thank you. <laughs> I hope you guys enjoy this one. Spread some love and leave a review. Let me know what you think about this episode over Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. If you'd like to watch the video version, head over to our YouTube channel and hit subscribe. Once again, thank you for listening. This is Ray from Drinking Out Loud and I'll see you next time.